I trust that, uh, you know, we, we try to do our best to stay in contact and communication uh, with everyone uh, throughout the storm. We're glad to hear there was no major damage, uh, no major issues, no physical issues, amen, um, through the storm. Um, but we are a church and we are a family. If there's anything that we can do to help assist you, help uh, uh, help you through any struggles or issues that may have arisen, please let us know. We've got people with chainsaws. We can get groceries. We can watch kids, uh, whatever we need to do uh, to be a blessing to you. Amen. Genesis chapter 25, if you would. Uh, beginning next week. Um, I believe God's going to be leading me to uh, start setting us up for our five-year anniversary services. Amen. We're only a little over a month out from that. And then I hope that you've marked your calendars and are planning to attend with us. Um, we, we don't typically do services outside of our weekend services, but these are going to be powerful services that you do not want to miss. They're going to be an opportunity for us as a church to celebrate uh, God's faithfulness and to prepare our hearts. Uh, for what's ahead. You know, a lot of times if you want to get ready and prepared for the future that God has for you, you look back and celebrate all that he has done. Amen. And um, he's been absolutely faithful. Many of you have just joined us just within the last year or so. And uh, we're going to do our best to highlight a lot of uh, what has taken place in our church over the last five years and to uh, just be in anticipation and expectation for what God wants to do uh, in the next years ahead, um, I was sharing with our leadership team just last month uh, when we met and just told them, I said, I'll be honest with you, I feel like we haven't even gotten out of the starting blocks yet. I feel like all that we've done to this point has just been training and preparation just to get to the race. I don't even feel like they've shot the gun off and said, all right, go. And um, uh, so you can take that how you want. You know, sometimes I'm like, really, all that work and we haven't even you know, gotten to the big show yet, but God is wanting to do some great things through this church and uh, through every single person that he brings to this place, and um, we're just honored to be able to invest and impart uh, what God would have us share uh, to help advance the kingdom of God in this area, in the communities that we're impacting. Um, we're just honored to be a part of it, so make sure you mark your calendars October 13th through the 16th, and um, We'll see what God wants to do. I believe, you know, I don't, I used to teach in series a lot and, and speak on, we just got out of a series on the Holy Spirit, but I, I've kind of gotten away from series and more into seasons. I feel like God has a word in season and there are certain seasons that we go through. And so getting ready for that next week, I believe God's going to be moving us in that direction. But today I believe I've got a word for you. And so I want to read to you out of Genesis chapter 25. Uh, hopefully you've found it by now. It's one of the easiest books to find. Uh, but in chapter 25, verse 29, it says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright. As of this day, and Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this? What is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to him 
and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate, drank, arose, and went his way. And it says, thus Esau despised his birthright. Esau despised his birthright. Um, I was, you know, banging my head trying to come up with a title uh, for today's message, and I haven't yet come up with one, so maybe I'll get one, you know, through today's message. Um, But if I could narrow down what I want to talk to you about today, I want to talk to you about investment. Investment. I believe that our lives are a result of investment. I believe every part of our life is determined uh, by the level that you invest in. I believe educationally, you're a result of your investment that you give to something. I believe uh, spiritually, our lives are a result of investment. Anybody here just grow up spiritually by yourself on accident? Just look at me. I'm just a spiritual giant. I've just got all this faith. No, I believe there's investment, right? Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means I'm investing into something. Uh, I believe uh, that our lives financially are a result of investment. I'm not just talking about banker investment, but I'm talking about what we give to is what we reap from. Um, I believe socially our lives uh, are investments, that a lot of times we're reaping from our friends and relationships because of what we're pouring into. Amen. Uh, You know as well as I do that, uh, you know, you don't have a very beneficial relationship, very strong relationship if it's one-sided. If only one person's giving in, somebody's getting wore out. And so I believe that our, that we, our lives are led by investment. And I think there are times in our lives that we have to be careful of the investments that we make. Um, because sometimes they are not the most fruitful investments we can make. The beginning of this passage, going back to verse 29, it starts out by saying that, Uh, Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field. So he was working and he was weary. He was weary. And these are the moments I want to talk about because I I believe in the weary moments, in the tiring moments when we are, um, you know, feeling overwhelmed, maybe discouraged, uh, maybe frustrated. Maybe you're in a season right now as I'm ministering this word that uh, you are in a weary Season, you, you, you feel like you're burning the candles at both ends or, uh, you know, weariness is just simply a matter of not receiving resource from the outside to match the resource you're giving from the inside. That's where weariness comes in. That means what I'm uh, not getting on the outside isn't matching what I'm, he was weary because he wasn't getting something from the outside to supplement the work he was doing on the inside. And so we end up in these seasons of weariness, tiredness. And uh, I'm I'm not just preaching this over Labor Day because it's Labor Day weekend. Uh, In fact, we're all probably, hopefully a lot of you are able to take the day off uh, tomorrow uh, for the holiday. But weariness can set in in our lives. And it's in these moments that we have to be careful because what happens here is Esau is vulnerable. He's vulnerable. And in weary seasons, we become vulnerable. And when you are vulnerable, many times we will give up what's valuable. And this is what we've got to watch out is these desperate times. I almost titled it Desperate Times, 
call for desperate measures. But I didn't, it, it didn't settle with me. So I didn't name it that. But desperate times, these desperate moments where we're weary, we're tired, discouraged, frustrated, whatever, whatever the issue is. It may be work. It may be a, a marriage relationship. It may just be uh, finance. That, that leads to a lot of weariness sometimes. And so I want to help us address these times because it's in these moments of vulnerability that we let go of things that are actually valuable to us. And we will sell off things as we see uh, Esau do. Now, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob is a deceiver. That's what his name literally means. It means deceiver. And he was a tricky guy. And he saw an opportunity here. If you go back just a little bit further in this chapter, you'll find out that Jacob and Esau have actually been warring or fighting with each other since they were inside of their mother's womb. Basically, who's going to be first? And the birthright was headship. It meant double honor. It meant it basically means you're first. You get everything handed down to you, uh, you know, from your lineage, from your prior generation. So it's a big deal. Birthright's not something that you swap for a bowl of soup. Birthright is not something you give up, but this is what the world does. The world constantly leads us to let go of things that are valuable in, the, in moments of vulnerability. The world will have you trade something valuable for something temporary. The world is very good at that. The enemy wants to take your most valuable possessions and he wants to swap them for temporary moments. Of freedom, temporary moments of liberty, temporary moments of feeling good. That's what the world will sell you. That's what the enemy will sell you on. The enemy has nothing to give you good in return for what belongs to you, for what is your right. There are too many believers today that are giving up their rights and their privileges for moments of temporary satisfaction. They get led into a weary place. They get led into an area where they're not strong enough on the inside to match the, the, the strength on the outside. And so they end up giving up what is most valuable. And I believe what happens here, in fact, the last verse tells us this. It says Esau despised his birthright in verse uh, 34. Esau despised. That word despised literally means devalued. That word despised literally means devalued. It means he cast away, that he didn't even place a proper value on the thing that he owned for a bowl of soup. The two don't balance out. And so we've got to be careful. of This is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, I think we get into moments of weariness and frustration, even discouragement. And I think one of the first things that we lean on is I don't have enough. It's provision. It's provision. It's a matter of provision. It's a matter of provision. We get in these moments and we say, I don't have enough money, or I don't have enough time, or I don't have enough relationships, or I don't have enough uh, uh, good employees. I don't have enough education. We, ha- we get in these moments of weariness and we're feeling the, the, the uh, 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 limits on our lives. We're feeling the fact that we're not able to meet a certain expectation. And the first place we go is, I don't have 
enough. But I want to help us change that today. I don't believe it's a matter of provision. I believe it's a matter of priority. What does that mean? That means this. I don't think that we need more. I think sometimes we need to do better with what we have. I'll say that again. Sometimes it's not that we need more of something. It's simply that we need to do better with what we have. You actually go uh, right up before we start in this passage in verse 29. In verse 28, it says, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. Esau had the ability to supply for himself to keep him from running weary in the field. He had the ability to cook. He had the ability to, to eat. And, and he could make some pretty good food, uh, so good that his dad picked a favorite. Rebecca loved Jacob, but Isaac loved Esau because he could eat of his game. He, he, he grilled a pretty good hamburger. He could make a mean steak. So he has the resource. It's not the provision that's the problem. It's the priority that's the problem. And where, where we a lot of times end up in weariness and frustration and discouragement is because we've got our priorities out of alignment. We've got our priorities. It's not that we need more. It's that we need to do better with what we currently have. You, you don't need a, a, a different marriage. You just need to do better with the one you currently have. You don't need different children. You just need to do better with the ones that you have. You don't need more finances. We just need to do better with the current finances we have. And here's an, here's an interesting one, time. How many of you have ever made the statement, and that's okay because my, my hand's the first one to go up, I need more time. Has anyone ever figured out by this point, we're not adding any more seconds, minutes, hours to the clock. Everybody, the most, uh, uh, the, the, the most, profitable, most fr- profitable people in the world have the same amount of time as you do. The most administrative people in the world have the same. We all get the same amount of time. We all get 24 hours in a day. Now, if anyone would like to speak up and God has actually granted your request and added hours to your day, please let me know how you were able to put that call in and and get that back. But I don't think anybody can answer that. I don't think anybody can do that because then I would be saying, well, that's not fair. Why would you give them 27? I only had 24. So it's not that we're gaining anything, but it's amazing what you can gain when you learn how to appropriate what you have. And the first issue with Esau's supply was there was a greater demand than there was supply, but it wasn't that he needed more. He needed to use what he had. He wouldn't have even had to be in this predicament. He wouldn't have even had to be in this situation. Now, here's the thing. I think sometimes a lot of us treat God the way Jacob treated Esau. If you look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Galatians chapter 6, in verse 7, starting with verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. 
Do not be deceived. What does Jacob mean? Jacob means deceiver. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Let me tell you something, guys. Only a deceived person believes that he will receive from something he has not invested in. Only a deceived person believes that he will reap a crop that he never planted. Only a deceived person believes that he'll get love in return when he has sown no love. Only a deceived person will believe that joy is just going to come raining down on him when he hasn't sown any joy. Only a deceived person will believe that he is going. This isn't just talking about finances. You can apply finances to this message, absolutely. Because God has a word on finances. But I think sometimes we become Jacob to God and we say, I want something in return, but I want to give up as little as possible. And this is where we've got to be careful. Do not be deceived, he says. God is not mocked. In fact, if you go on down to verse um, verse 9, he says, and let us not grow weary. There's that word again. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Esau grew weary. Did you know that you could get weary in doing good? I hear a term a lot from Christians, and you know, my, I feel like my season's up. My season's, my, my season's up. Usually that's translated, I'm tired. Let me tell you something. Just because everything might not be running at 100% doesn't mean you should get out. And just because everything's going right doesn't mean you should stay. We got to understand seasons in our life. Amen. Weariness can set in even while we're doing good. We can get tired even when everything's going right. I've heard I've heard pastors uh, you know, talk about, you know, churches, their, their church is growing, their church is booming. I mean, it's just, you know, they, they don't even have enough room. And that was when they got the most discouraged. It wasn't in the moments when no one was coming through the door. It was in the moments where everything was going. You would think we're on cloud nine. And they, they're, they're going to see counselors at this point because they, they, they're, they're struggling with the supply and demand. There's a greater demand than they've made a supply. There's a greater demand on their life than the supply that they're getting. They haven't recognized that, man, I'm going to have to be in the word more. I'm going to have to make more time for this. I'm going to have to make more, more time for that. As the church grows, the pastor can't be the one that meets with every single individual and counsels with every single individual. There's got to be some delegation. There's got to be able to, uh, you know, raise up leaders up under you. And so there's these opportunities where if we don't meet the demand with a greater supply, Weariness sets in. It's amazing that we can become weary. It doesn't say, uh, 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 don't lose heart. Let us not grow weary while doing bad. It says, don't let us grow weary while doing good. 
If in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Look at this in verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity. I want you to know today that you always have an opportunity. You always have an opportunity. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So the first thing I want us to grasp today is the question of priority or provision. And sometimes it's not a matter of a lack of provision. It's a lack of priority. And guys, if we could identify the priorities in our life and where they ought to be, I can tell you today, as a matter of fact, it will shift some of the weariness that you have in your life. If we can prioritize the things of God. The second thing I want us to see is the question of, are we giving or gaining? Are we giving or gaining? Our lives are a result of investment. And I can tell you right now uh, that an investor, an investor thinks a lot differently than a spender. Isn't that right? Someone that invests money doesn't see money as being taken away from them. They see money as being added to them over a period of time. In due season, you will reap a return on the investment. Guys, we've got to recognize once we prioritize what we're giving to, what we're giving our time to, what we're giving our finance to, what we're giving ourselves to, You've got to get rid of the mentality that I'm giving something up and you've got to start identifying that I'm actually gaining something in return. So therefore, therefore, you want to give into things that are going to return the greatest investment. Many of us are losing because we are giving in the wrong area. We're still in conversation, still spending time in relationship. Now, you've got to listen to God, absolutely. But some of us get caught up in relationships that we should have cut off years ago. And they're depleting us. And they're discouraging us. And they're making us tired because you are putting into a system that's not turning back an investment. Come on, this is the truth. In Malachi chapter 3, God talks about this. Now before you get scared and run off, I'm not necessarily talking about finances. But in Malachi chapter 3, God is definitely talking about investment. He's talking about investment. This is interesting. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. Let me tell you something, guys. When you rob God, you are the one that ultimately gets robbed. I'll say that again. When you rob God, you are the one that ultimately gets robbed. Now, obviously, you've heard this uh, used in the form of finances, and it absolutely applies to finances. If you're not giving tithe and offering, and then you're wondering why your finances aren't in alignment. You're wondering, it, it, you know, God gives 
seed to the sower. Seed, God is a, a need meter. And the devil is a seed eater. But God wants to meet your needs. He's not holding out. He's not dangling something out saying, almost there, almost there. Come and get it. See if you're good enough. See if I'll do it for you. That word test means prove. Means prove. But this apply, This is a principle. This is a kingdom principle. This isn't just about tithe and offering. We can only bring this out when we're talking about finances or our offering time. This is a kingdom principle. If you will place him first, make him priority, and then give into the right system, it will produce back to you. If you are holding back your time, if you're holding back your resources, if you're holding back your finances from the Lord, he cannot return on an investment that's not made. Yeah, sometimes I hate going to Target with my wife. We were there yesterday. And the longer we push the cart around, the more stuff that ends up in the cart. And I know the more stuff that ends up in the cart, the less, uh, the less I'm going to end up with in my wallet. The more that goes in the cart is the more that's coming out of my wallet. But let me tell you something. With God, the more you put in, the more you give back. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Some of you are wondering, where's all my time at? And you're not giving the Lord any of your time. Some of you are wondering, where all, where's all my money at? And you're, he's not getting any of your finances. So, some of you are wondering, you know, where is all my strength at? And you're not using his, your strength for the Lord. You're using it for your stuff. And then we wonder why we're depleted. We wonder why we are weary. It's because we've had a mentality of giving rather than gaining. Not everything you give into, I'll tell you right now, I've given into Target. They haven't gained me anything except a large collection of dollar items that are probably trashed at this point it's that temporary satisfaction doesn't pay out long term but we've got to understand this guys we've got to get this uh we've got to get this mentality that when we give to the lord we're actually gaining in return now that's not the motivation that's not the intention you could give to, to the lord for the rest of your life and you still couldn't pay him back for the debt that is owed he paid a debt that you could not pay. You owed a debt that you could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I'm sure somebody said that at some point, sometime before. You got to understand. See, investment doesn't come with an invoice. Investment doesn't come with an invoice. God's not going to force you. He's not once come and taken anything from you. God doesn't take my time. He says, nope, that two-hour block, that's for me. So you're going to sit down, read the word, don't you get up and move until I tell you to. No, I had to make the choice to sit down and read the word. He's never taken time for me to pray. I've had to give that to him. He's never taken money. I'm sure I've said it at some point, but I've tried to watch myself ever since I heard one minister say, he says, I don't take up offerings. I've never taken an offering from anybody. 
They've always freely given it on their own. That's just terminology that we use without, you know, really thinking about it. But we don't take offerings here. You give them freely of your own choice. There's no invoice. Anybody receive an invoice from me last month for uh, tithe and offering? Nope, didn't think so. Never. That's on you. But God still wants you to invest in so that he can bring a return back. A lot of times our weariness is just a a, a lack of investing and we are giving ourselves away to things that God never signed off on. We're we're giving ourselves away that cannot produce. I'm going to tell you right now, the world cannot produce what God wants to get to you. It will not happen. There's no job. There's no promotion. There's no paycheck. There's no marriage. There's no friendship. There's no amount of kids. There's no house. There's no boat. There's no car. There's no city. There's no place. There's no feeling. There's no drug. There's no drink that can replace or get back to you what God wants to get to you. If you would, and let me tell you, tithing is is a very, let me, tithe literally means a tenth. Ten percent. What's he trying to show you? He's trying to show you that he can do a lot with a little if you'll just put it in his hands. You've got 90% left over. He's trying to show you that if you'll just give me a little bit, I can do a lot more. He can do more with the 10% than I can do with the 90. So I'll just go ahead and give him the 10 and see what God's going to do with the rest of it. Amen. That's how my God works. He's not asking for a lot. He's not asking for your whole day. He's asking for the first part of your day. That's also what tithe means. Tithe means first. It does not take faith to give God what's left over. I'll say that again. It does not take faith to give God what is left over. God doesn't get leftovers. He doesn't get what's last. He gets what is first. He wants the first of your pay. He wants the first of your time. He wants the first of your day. He wants the first of your relationship. He wants to be brought in first, not at the end. Too many times we're bringing God in because we tried everything else. Too many times we bring God in because we try everything else. And that leads me to my third point. Are we addressing a symptom or the source? Are we addressing a symptom or the source? There was one day, uh, just within the last year, we were on a trip and we came home. And uh, it was late Saturday night. I had to get up early in the morning, you know, for church Sunday morning to be here. And we were returning. I don't remember where we were t- returning from. But we get home. It's pretty late. And we're laying down. And we can hear a sound, like a hissing sound, like there's water spraying somewhere but it's like 10 o'clock at night i'm not trying to figure this out water's running at all the faucets no problem get up the next morning to get ready to you know to to study and prepare for the morning service go to take a shower no hot water okay so there's my problem there's my symptom i don't have any hot water now i could have treated the symptom multiple ways But after I took my cold shower, because I had no option early in the morning, I'm not getting out, crawling around, trying to figure out what the problem is. 
I went out and we've got two water heaters. And so I went out to the one in the garage, no problem. But we've also got, uh, what's it called underneath the house? Crawl space. And there's another one up under there. And that was the problem. We found that in the afternoon. We're able to replace the little three-foot-long pipe thing that was busted where the water was spraying out. I could have treated symptoms all day long, but eventually I had to get to the source. And I'll just tell you what, guys. A lot of times the weariness in our life isn't a shortage of something. It's a stoppage. This water bottle has plenty of water to help my dry, sore throat right now. But unless I remove the lid, I won't get any of it. Right? Nothing. It's not doing anything for me. My throat's still dry. Still scratchy. I Somebody get me, I need water, I'm out of water. No, I've got plenty of water. It's not a shortage of supply. There's a stoppage. And what we've got to do is we've got to look at our lives and we've got to figure out where have we put the limits? What have we put lids on that, we, that God wants to open up in our lives? What have we uh, limited access? Because the Bible tells me, Ephesians chapter 1 tells me, I've been blessed with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So it's not a matter of access. It's a matter of how am I going to get it to me? There's plenty in heaven. God's not running low on anything. Let me say that again. In 2016, September of 2016, God's not running low. Walmart can run low. Sam's can run low. The government can run low. Healthcare can run low. But God is not running low. He's not depleting. He's got plenty of storage for you. In fact, he tells us that if you would just give into my system, I would pour out so much that you won't even have room. I don't have room, so I need to get it to you. But I can get you so much that you're going to have to get it to somebody else. Not very many believers understand and are living that type of lifestyle. But I'm going to tell you right now, he wants you to. That doesn't mean go out and buy as many cars and boats and as many houses as you want. That means being able to be blessed to be a blessing. As believers, we should not be living in a situation where we can only take care of ourselves. We should be in a position uh, beyond weariness and beyond frustration that we can help somebody else. Be a blessing to somebody else. But we've got to recognize, are we just treating symptoms with our life? Or are we getting to the source, to the root of the problem. Treating symptoms doesn't fix the problem. I, I, if, if I'm having continuous headaches, I can take ibuprofen and it'll help for a little while. But at some point, I'm going to have to recognize something else is causing the headache. Maybe it's high blood pressure. Maybe there's something going on in my head. Uh, maybe it's stress, whatever. I've got to eventually get to the source. And God wants to get to the He didn't just take care of symptoms. The law in the Old Testament could only do so much. But he said, nope, I'm going to have to find a way to treat the source. 
I've got to get to the root issue. The thing uh, that I hate the most is living inside of the thing that I love the most. And I've got to find a way to separate the sin from the person. The law could not do that. Romans chapter 8 tells us that in what the law could not do, God sent his son Jesus to uh, not just abolish the law, but complete the law, complete the work that the law could not do. The law could show you there was a problem. But it couldn't fix the problem. God is into fixing problems. He wants to get to the source. What's causing the weariness? What's causing the frustrations? What's causing the issues? What's causing the discouragement? What's causing the, the, the lack? He wants to deal with that. God's not wanting to just give out handouts. Oh, you need another 10? Here you go. He wants to meet the need at the root. He wants to meet the need at the source. Guys, if you would come up. I want us to see this today. I want us to see this today. I want us to see that, guys, it's not a lack of provision. It's a lack of priority. You start placing him first. You start placing the right priority on the right things. And watch what he'll do in your life. Watch where the provision will start showing up from the sources that haven't been getting provision to you because you prioritize the wrong things. I'll tell you right now, you won't receive provision from what you don't prioritize. It's not just giving, it's gaining. God wants you to pour into things that are going to bless you back. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're in this room today and you have been struggling with relationships and ties that you have kept that you've needed to cut off, I'm going to tell you right now, if you will do that, God will send someone to you that will bless you, not just draw from you. I'm going to tell you that today, right now. There are people, they might even be in this room, that if you would connect with them, you'll find that where there was a depletion before, now they're a resource to you. Now you're overflowing. Now you're overflowing. And guys, I want you to know today that God wants to meet the source, not treat the symptom. He's not a symptom guy. You need to address the symptoms. You need to look at the symptoms understand that there's a God that doesn't want to just keep taking care of symptoms over and over, but he wants to get to the source, to the root that's causing the symptoms in your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, Father, we thank you this morning. You're a need meter. You want to meet the needs in our lives. Father, I pray for every person in this room. Their, their mind is weary. Their heart is heavy. The frustrations and the discouragements and even the anxiousness and the worries are starting to consume them. And I pray right now by your spirit in the name of Jesus that you bring peace, a peace 
that passes all understanding. If it's due to the storm, if it's due to finances, if it's due to marriage issues, if it's due uh, to just the overwhelmingness, if it's a work-related issue, Father, whatever it is, I thank you that you bring a call to the spiritual storms that are taking place in people's minds and hearts this morning in Jesus' name. I speak clarity in the name of Jesus. I declare peace in the name of Jesus. Your son told us, do not worry. Do not fret. Why do you worry about what you're going to eat and drink? Why do you worry about what you're going to wear? You clothe the birds. You clothe the lilies of the field. How much more do you care for us? So today, we call upon your provision. Today, we access, we access in the name of Jesus every blessing that you have for us. We declare it over our lives. We declare it over our homes. We declare it over our marriages. We declare it over our children. We declare it over our jobs. We declare it over everything we put our hand to. It prospers in the name of Jesus. The favor of God goes before us. We declare this. Father, I thank you. You're aware of every need. I'm not. I'm not. But you're aware of every need. I thank you that you're going to meet. You're going to meet them right where they're at. As they begin to make these small tweaks, small adjustments in our hearts, in our minds. Father, I thank you that we're going to see your provision, your blessing upon our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. And if you agree with that, shout amen.